An all-new movie featuring all the same monsters and a brand new story. It's House of Dracula. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. Imagine a man walking into your house at 5 a.m. or whatever in the middle of the night and just standing over you and reacting as calmly as this man does. You know, a similar thing happened to me once, Alex. Um, What? Not really. But, uh, you know, one time this is this is a. A little mini story here at the beginning of this episode. A little bonus episode. A little bonus story here, Alex. One time, this is not even related to Dracula. This guy is a sweet, sweet, sweet kid. Uh, his name was Sammy, and Sammy was a uh, he was a camper at a camp that I was a camp counselor at when I was nineteen years old. Right, I was a, okay. I was a camp counselor, and Sammy was <laughs> Sammy didn't he. He suffered from um, a couple different things, right? Uh, but but he was severely autistic and had a couple of things that he just he just clung to me like I was the coolest person he'd ever met, right? And he called me Top Dog all week long. Top <laughs> That's dog. awesome. And <laughs> I think it was because I called him Big Dog, and then he, he wanted me to be Top Dog. I was like, "All right, I'm cool with the Big Dog." <laughs> uh, I need to tell you more about Sammy sometime. But long story short, he was obsessed with soap operas as well. Um, one thing as we well, had, you so you're uh, obsessed with them? Yeah, I love soap operas. <laughs> no, but so one of the things that we had to do, to, like keep him in his bed, is we had to role play with him. Um, and say he was like a character off Days of Our Lives. <laughs> oh, okay. And like literally, we we role play, so he would stay in his bed for the night, right? Oh. Um, and he would be like there, and we'd be like, "All right, we'll wake you up." I can't remember what his name was in the morning, and like this is what was told to us to do. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, long story short, first or second night that we, we're staying at this cabin together, right? I wake up. It's like 4.30 in the morning. I wake up and standing at the head of my bed and just looking at me oh, is God. Sammy. Oh, my gosh. Eric. That's terrifying. It was pretty terrifying. <laughs> uh, just You could just see the, the glint of his smile in the darkness. No way. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Dude, yeah. This is so. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I wasn't scared of Sammy. Sammy was great. I love Sam. I love Big Dog Sammy. But um, it was kind of a creepy moment. <laughs> Golly. Uh, oh. But yeah, so I know the feeling. I know the feeling. Been there, done that. <laughs> did you react as coolly as he did? Oh yeah, I just was. I, I called him by a soap opera name and let him back to bed. It was fine. <laughs> yeah, well, the one time I've been woken up like in some sort of way that like scared me was Cece. I think I don't know why it worked out that way. I must have. I think I was just like really having trouble sleeping or something. But I woke up and Cece is standing right over me, 
and I just say I just shout some curse words. <laughs> was that you or was that mom? It may have been my mom, who I don't curse <laughs> like I don't curse in front of her at all. Like, I, no, I no. It was me. Okay, so it was mom then, and I, I, she I, she oh she came to ask me a question about Gwen. That's what mm-hmm. it was. Cece was asleep. I was laying there asleep in bed next to Cece, and she came, and I'm just out cold, and she wakes me up, and I'm just like, I wake. Well, I can't say it on the podcast either. Uh, but <laughs> I just wake up and just shout some expletives at her. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Poor Mrs. Cornette. She's too sweet for that. She's too sweet for that. Yeah. I mean, I didn't shout them at her. I just, like, they came out of my mouth when I'm jumping out of my skin. <laughs> uh, well, I guess we should introduce the podcast. This is the Monster vs. Men podcast, <laughs> the bargain basement of the Monster Podcasting Airwaves. This week, as we try to stay alive, we're not just discussing being awakened in the middle of the night. Uh, we're discussing House of Dracula. Uh, I'm Eric. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, I'm the sharp-toothed Alex. Oh. Oh, yeah. I forgot to give you a kid. Yeah, I know. You didn't give me a name, so I'm not going to give you one. I'm going to give myself Ooh. one. Uh, <laughs> hey, the question I had, the first the most important question about this film because we've got the return of Lon Chaney, of course, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Lon Chaney Jr., of course. But a little bit different, Alex. He's got a lovely mustache. So the question, mm. the, the most important question is to stash or not to stash? Um, definitely to stash. You know, I think that despite what happens in the film, I think the what actually kept the werewolf at bay was the mustache. Oh, yeah. That was true. It's just a little bit of werewolf peeking through. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you, Eric? Stash oh, or I'm, not I'm, stash? I'm 100% Team Stash. Hashtag Team Stash Lon Chaney Jr. <laughs> um, we'll get that trending this week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Expect to see that in the Twitter <laughs> hey, trending. Hey, expect to see Lon Chaney Jr. trending this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. No, I'm 100% Team Stash. Um, yeah, I mean, come on. I, I questioned last week what women saw in Lon Chaney, but then I saw the stash and all of my questions went away. <laughs> and then you had the same answers they did. Woo, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to jump into this film, Alex. Probably. Getting a little hot and steamy over here. <laughs> After shrugging off continuity, Universal returns to Dracula, mm-hmm. Wolfman, and Frankenstein in House of Dracula. Directed by the same director as House of Frankenstein, Earl Kenton. Essentially, Alex, we've got the same team as last week, but does the same team mean it will be clean or will the sheen come apart at the seam? Well, I don't know if you can have this continuity and it be clean. (laughs) Uh, I mean, Dracula died and now he's back. Same goes for Wolfman. Uh I mean, the only thing that made sense was them finding Frankenstein and the old Dr. Neiman. Um, yeah. in that and you're sand. questioning, like, why did you do that? Why did you add one piece of continuity in here? Exactly. Otherwise, this could, this could be like an antho- anthology movie, right? Exactly. And, but yeah, instead, exactly. no, there's some loose continuity here for some <laughs> reason. <laughs> that being said, though, as an isolated story from the continuity, if you like, take it in that context, I think it's actually a pretty fun romp with some unexpected yeah. turns to it. That I really appreciated. 
Mm. Are there a few loose ends and rushed things in this film? Yeah, especially Frankenstein. He's pretty rough. Mm-hmm. But the other stuff is pretty good here. What do you think? Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't think this film gets me as excited, um, except for Lon Chaney's uh, mustache, as much as last week's. But um, just because it was a never, I don't think it was the highs and yeah. that we saw in House of Frankenstein. Yeah, that's some you stiff know, competition. Yeah. <laughs> well, that chase scene uh, that we gushed about, um, I just, I, I think that's a great scene. One of the standout scenes, honestly, uh, for Universal so far. But I do like the self-contained nature of this story. It's smaller in scale. And well, yeah, the continuity makes no sense. I do like how they use Dracula in that lead villain role here and Larry as a sympathetic hero. Once again, mm-hmm. my standout scene, I'll go ahead and tell you my standout scene in this one is the moonlight Sonata scene. Um, what a lovely scene. I, I love when movies can incorporate live quote unquote live music in a natural way with the characters and the situations. A few recent movies I think have done this well are Under the Silver Lake, Her Smell, Marriage Story. Uh, I don't think you've seen any of those, Alex, but that's okay. Yeah, those are, those <laughs> but, are just words. <laughs> but this presents us with Milesia playing Beethoven's most famous piece. And how appropriate is that piece for both Dracula and Wolfman? From there, you get the psychological tension that develops beyond the piece. Um, it gives the scene an edge and it really makes it something unique from my point of view. Yeah. Um, these are really great scenes, you know, especially when it's showing like his manipulation over her Mm -hmm. as she plays that music and she goes into playing like what he wants her to play. Mm -hmm. Just really, really cool elements that I really just, again, like some really cool ideas here that are executed well. Uh, another scene that stood out to me as well was when Dr. Franz Edelman, uh, he finally gives in to his vampire side. You know, this is about as quirky as the movie really gets, mm-hmm. but it's also like a really fun and exciting performance while he's on this carriage oh, haunting his prey, <laughs> right? He's just standing over this prey and he's just playing with his food. He jumps on <laughs> and he's just standing there like, oh, yeah. He's chatting him up. And yeah. he's just playing with him, essentially. I mean, the scene is so stellar. And it really sold me on Edelman being this great villain as well mm-hmm. as a hero. I just, yeah. I, I love how they added, you know, the darkness under his eyes, uh-huh. the slightly increased unkeptness of his hair as he like descends into this madness. Now, I don't quite understand how vampirism has anything to do with wanting to resurrect Frankenstein's monster. It's going to be on me. Again, Frankenstein is a, the weakest part of this film because it's mm-hmm. just shoehorned in. But mm-hmm. I think that the moments with Edelman overall work really yeah. well. And another thing that worked really well was Nina as a character. She feels appropriately sympathetic, has a finger on the pulse of what's going on, even if she's not quite clued in on the details. Yeah. Because um, she, she seems to always be missing a few details, but she's kind of got a rough idea of what's happening. But she's also very caring in her opting to give Lawrence Talbot priority for his surgery uh, before her is really cool. You know, she wants him to be cured of his um, lycanthropy before she gets her hunchback cured, or I guess removed. I don't really know how 
the proper term for that. But um, <laughs> of course, I you know I do like also our sad sack of monsters here. I I like. I like sad, uh, almost <laughs> vampire doctor and sad Lawrence Talbot. You know, oh, yeah. all, all these sad monsters, I'm down for it. You know, it just hasn't gotten old for me yet. <laughs> no, that's what, no, no, exactly. And I'll touch on that some more in a second, I think. Uh, but I wanted to touch on our good doctor for a minute who you just talked about. Uh, and I think this is a good way to kind of also just compare this film to last week's film in a way. This week we encountered Dr. Edelman. Who, um, who you just pointed out, who really is our sympathetic hero. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about what he's willing to do at the beginning of this film. He's willing to try and save two monsters by putting primarily himself at risk. Now, he's intellectually wrong here. <laughs> and right. I don't think either of his solutions have much merit, or I didn't think they had much merit. But the fact that he is willing to try and the fact that he doesn't succumb at the beginning to what every scientist in every Universal movie succumbs to when encountering Frankenstein, yes. i.e. bringing him back to life, says a lot about his character. When you compare him to last week's Dr. Neiman, I think he becomes even more tragic because of that sympathetic element. But he does have a tragic flaw. Despite his good heart, he doesn't believe. And because of his disbelief, he becomes a monster himself. Mm. He believes there's a scientific solution um, for these monsters. Yeah, and he's partially right. He's partially right. Yeah. <laughs> He's partially right. But he I don't know if Dracula ever lets him get the chance to really do what he wants to do. I just mm-hmm. I think these elements are just so interesting. Uh, and it's what really makes this movie sets it apart from a lot of the others. Now, you know, I love his arc and how it plays out, but the one some of the biggest things I liked here, literally, are the sets here. No, they're not as impressive as House of Frankenstein, right? Uh, and the camera work is also a bit stiffer, and the effects yeah. are rare. But occasionally, we get something very, very cool. Like when Dracula and Melisa, there's that shot where he's standing next to her in front of a mirror. We pan over to the mirror, and we see that he's gone. Mm-hmm. And we see her walking. And then it pans back, and he's back. All without cutting away or anything like that. Now, is there some mm-hmm. trickery there? Probably. Yeah. But it's awesome. No, he's actually disappeared. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> no, I, I, yes, I know. Okay, whatever. You know what I mean. And the other thing I liked was this attempt at scientific explanations of the supernatural occurrences. I think it's actually pretty fun and kind of plays on the naivety of the doctor because I didn't think there was going to be any scientific explanation. And I was completely shocked when he was actually able to cure the Wolfman by easing the, you know, the pressure on his brain. <laughs> but actually like the, I, at the very least, I like the pursuit of this idea, right? I don't know if we actually needed a cure. Um, yeah. But I could see that being a point in the film that maybe, maybe people don't really like, um, because you know, it's supernatural. We don't need a science explanation for it, but here we are. We got one. Um, now the, really the biggest thing though, for me, that's a problem. And I've already kind of mentioned it is Frankenstein's monster. Like, can we just not use him? Like he's just a complete waste of space. And it feels like he's here to fulfill some sort of contractual obligation. That's just completely ridiculous. 
It makes really no sense in the movie, and it only brings it down. It doesn't help the movie one bit. Yeah. Mm. What do you think? Well, yeah, the, the film does have its flaws. Um, Frankenstein, yeah, completely underused, and that's a shame. I would have liked to have seen, you know, a cool team up, team up against a monster or, or something interesting involving the monster, but we just don't get that. Mm-hmm. Um, second, yeah, you you touched on this, but I don't know how I feel about Larry's cure. Um, yeah. For one, it just, it goes against what I said about Dr. Edelman's flaw, right? Um, so I just think like thematically, <laughs> I don't think it works, but second... I think it negates what came before it in a way that is actually more important than other continuity mistakes. Um, it is the one, th- it's one thing to bring the monsters back from the dead. We did that. Right. Uh, but we need that for our film whatever. It doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's another thing to take what has been clearly a fantastical element uh, in the other films and make it pseudoscientific. Yeah. It's kind of like the the midichlorians Star Wars thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, like we don't need to make uh, werewolfism, lycanthropy. We don't need to make that a real science. It's just it, it takes away from the what I would call pagan explanations in the prior films. With that said, there's some interesting plot work here. I, I love the fact that the silver bullet in the gun is actually what kills Dr. Edelman and not Larry at the end. Yeah. Uh, it's a clever little twist that just showcases uh, the work of a more self-contained plot that I mentioned before. Yeah, yeah. and it, I, Even though I don't like the monster, the finale is kind of fun. Oh, yeah. Um, a lot goes wrong, and it feels like they save some characters for next time, but hmm. I don't know because we don't see... Um, the character that I like, uh, who I'm blanking on, was it? Is it Malia? No, Melisa isn't. Is Melisa the one with the hunchback? No, um, no, no, no. That no. is uh, Nina. Nina. So Nina gets thrown down like a hole in the building, mm-hmm. uh, but we never see her die. So I'm like, she come back? Don't we have mm-hmm. another House of movie, or are we done with House of movies? I think we're done. Ah, uh, well, that's weird. Sorry, well, Nina. Yeah, rest in peace in your little hole that you were sitting in. <laughs> uh, well, oh, before we get into our awards, real quick, Alex, MVM Plus this week, we have got another Marvel versus Men. This is a good time to jump into our, our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash MVM pod and become a bargain base mic because we do have a Marvel versus Men this week. We're covering uh, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Uh, and we will have one next week, too. We will cover Thor. What's it called? Love and Lo- Thunder. Love and Thunder. Yeah. This week's MVM Plus, Marvel vs. Men. We we talk about Doctor Strange, but we also identify what we think is the major danger for Marvel right now. And just a hint, it's not the phase four continuity. Mm. Right? right. Uh, so that's just a little tease for uh, our Marvel versus Men this week. I can't wait. Actually, we already recorded it, and it was hot, hot, hot. <laughs> uh, Awards, what you got, Alex? Compelling character award. Who do you have? Um, I'm going to give it to Lawrence Talbot. I mm. thought, again, sad sack Larry. But to also see his relief when he finally gets the cure 
was yeah. very cool. I just, you know, I, I bought him again. I'm here. I'm here for the sadness <laughs> and the little bit of happiness that he finally has. Yeah. See, we've never been Lon Chaney haters over here. Uh, no. Apparently, he has some personal issues. We we just haven't done our research, so we don't know those things. But <laughs> hey, listen, listen. We, we we if we did our research on the Godzilla movies, we probably just couldn't have even touched them. So <laughs> that that may be true. That may be true. <laughs> um, but uh, Lon Chaney Jr. That the. He's great uh, as Wolfman. I do think he's a sad. I love the sad sack. Uh, he's even better with the stash, as we've touched on. But exactly. My compelling character. Him. Yeah, go ahead. No, oh, no. I'm just saying it just elevates him to a whole new level. Oh, yeah, for sure. My compelling character, who you mentioned, is Nina. Uh, yeah. Because I do think she's just a sympathetic character. Uh, I like the inversion of the Hunchback character um, to make her into a genuinely caring person um yeah this is this is um we've seen hunchbacks in several movies now and they can inspire sympathy at times but usually they also have a dark side and nina doesn't have that dark side um which you which you've got to appreciate right it's like because it's not portraying this monster or this human with a disability as a monster Right, exactly. It's portraying a human with a disability as a human that happens to have a disability. Uh, so I've got to give the compelling character to Nina. Yep, I I agree with yours. Um, cool. What about your most memorable line award? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, well, my the one that stood out to me first was from the inspector who said, "Good heavens, you're worse than a gossiping old woman." Um, but <laughs> I decided that that might have been a little um, uh, crass. So I'll go with Moesia, who says, soon you'll see it as everyone else does. Restful, tranquil, serene. And then Larry, after that, and she's talking about the moon, and, and Larry says, until that time comes, I'll live a thousand hopes, die a thousand times. Oof. We we gotta love emo Larry, and that's a great emo, emo Larry. Emo line. Larry is he's king of kings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I live a thousand hopes, die a thousand times. I'm gonna gosh. get that tattooed on on my back. I think. Oh, I like it. Yeah, uh, yeah. shoulder With to shoulder. Wolf, wolf how? Wolf how? Moon that goes over the moon. Quote. <laughs> with with Larry. Lon Chaney scratching out of your back. Not not as the Wolfman, just as himself. As himself with a mustache. Yeah. Stashed Larry. It has to Stashed be. with a tear running down his cheek because he's emo. Stashed Larry. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right. As what for me, um, I had a line from Nina, uh, and this is when she's convan- convancing. convincing the... Dr. Edelman to not create the monster the first time that he kind of starts reviving it. She says, man's responsibility is to his fellow man. And and Mm. once he hears that, he's like, okay, (laughs) I'm done. Because before then he felt this responsibility to the monster, to science, to, to resurrect this thing. And she just dropped that line on him and made him, you know, brought him back to reality. Mm. But she wasn't there the second time. She's too late. Nope. Too late. I, I, Alex, I think convincing is just when you're convincing someone named Vance. Oh, I like it. 
We need to get advance on the podcast so we can advance them. Uh, man, we are on something today. <laughs> uh, can't believe the acting award. Who'd you have? Lon Chaney. I was thinking oh, Lon's. <laughs> Emo Lon. He's got the stash. What else do you need to be at the top of my list for Can't Believe That Acting Award? There you go, Lon oh, Chaney. Man. That's he- it. <laughs> I would give it to Lon Chaney, but probably just Lon Chaney stash. Um, But since you already chose Lon Chaney, I don't think featuring just the body part of Lon Chaney would be appropriate. So I'll go with Onslow Stevens as Dr. Edelman. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, we we have seen uh, Chaney before do this role. So that's another reason I probably wouldn't go with him. But, man... The, everything that Onslow Stevens has to do as Edelman is he has the full spectrum, right? Yeah. He can be horrifying at times in almost that campy sort of way. Uh, he can be serious. He can be sincere and compassionate. I love seeing his transformation. Um, it was really cool. And, and one of the better parts of this film is just that transformation that he undergoes. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. What about, what about your, your, oh, that's a good shot. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, so mine is going to be the moonrise. The moonrise where uh, Larry is looking to see if he is going to turn into a werewolf or not. And you get that slow mm-hmm. lighting of his face yeah. from the moonlight. Yeah. It's awesome. Oof. Well, you knew I liked sunrise shots, Alex. But moonrise? Yeah. Come on. You sold me. You sold me. Uh, <laughs> might have to incorporate that into the tattoo. Um <laughs> oh, that's a good shot award. There's several great shots, but I, I like the one just towards the end um, where you see the doctor's shadow at the lab door. You get this picture of this lab mm. door several times, but this is the best one where you get the, the shadow overshadowing Nina and it's just completely menacing. Um, it's a really nicely, it's a nicely framed shot, but on top of that, it really captures the, the tone of the moment. So, so that's my choice. Mm. Uh, what about your unique awards? So my unique award goes to easy to be overlooked performance. And this one really is easy to be overlooked. Um, and it's the Frankenstein monster, oh. um, which is played by Glenn Strange here. Glenn Strange, don't know who he is. <laughs> Is he related to Doctor uh, Strange? He's a, maybe, Stranger Things? Maybe. Uh, but <laughs> Glenn Strange, I think actually does some interesting things in the one minute that we get Frankenstein monster in this film. And it's it, again, it's just kind of a shame that we don't get more of it because I would like to see his performance of the monster. Because um, I, I did think there was something interesting in his performance Uh and so I think it's easy to overlook that. I, I, I'll give my unique award to him. Okay. All How about right. you? Uh, I've got the parkour award. <laughs> uh, and this goes to Dr. Edelman. Edelman, yeah. Edelman, yeah. <laughs> he, I mean, he had some moves, man. But there's one in particular where he slides oh, down a roof onto the ground. What a, no, you were so king. right. It's impressive. It's like... <laughs> I mean, it's him, too. It is. I kept watching yeah. it over and over. I'm like, okay, stunt double, hits the ground. It's going to, like, some sort of cut, and it's going to be a new guy. I meant or to it's going to be that, yeah. our guy. And it's not. Oh, it's yeah. him. No, it's him. He's great. 
<laughs> it's just another like it, it adds that uh can't believe to my I can't believe the acting award for him. He's fantastic. Yeah. He he's um definitely the standout in this movie. And I forgot I yeah, I had forgotten about that, but that was very impressive. Very impressive. <laughs> so cool. Uh, <laughs> um what about your final thoughts and tier rating here, Alex? We'll start with you this time. Um what you got for uh House of Dracula? Yeah, I really dug House of Dracula. Um, I'm a little surprised, especially considering how little care they took in their continuity. Um, and But other than that, you know, this is a solid film. We get great characters all around. Uh, from, Needle, from, Needle, from Nina to uh, Edelman. I'm just blanking on everybody's name tonight. Uh, between those two and then our monsters, um, well, two of our monsters, Dracula. Actually, we didn't even mention he put a much better performance up this time. True. Very um, true. Than he mm-hmm. did in the previous film. So <clears throat> I'm going to give him some props right there. But Dracula's great. Wolfman's great. Uh, really, the only detriment to this film for me is the implementation of Frankenstein's monster. I think it takes away too much of the film. Um, mm-hmm. from finding him down in the bottom and establishing that it's part of this continuity to the finale where he just vampirism makes you want to resuscitate this thing, I guess. I, it just doesn't make any sense. And he's just not there long enough to, to do much other than throw a few people around and kill the people he needs to kill. Uh, so it's just a little disappointing in that way. Well, other than that, it's a it's a pretty good movie. I, I'm I'm kind of shocked. I didn't expect these House of movies to give me anything of value, mm. and I've been wrong two weeks in a row. Um, I'm gonna give this I'm gonna give this one a gamma tier, even though mm. I am pretty high on it. Um, you like this one more than last week, then. No, I gave the other one a gamma tier. Oh, oh, mm-hmm. do I like this one more than last week? Mm-hmm. <sighs> last I, week, you, I felt like you kind of gave it a middle middle of the road gamma tier. This yeah, week, yeah. Seemed like you were kind of this is a higher gamma tier. Yeah, I yeah. like this one more than last week's because last week we had that strong Dracula first half. Right, it's kind of mm-hmm. perfect, and it yeah. would have. I think last week I said it would have been a Godzilla tier if it was if it ended there. But we ran the movie a little bit longer, and it struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one is better than the other one. I think overall it handles, it has uh, some interesting ideas that it handles really well. And its characters are even better um, mm. than last week. So big. Yeah. I think it's a good improvement. High-end camera tier for me. What about you? I think this is a more consistent film than last week's House of Frankenstein. I, I, I think I'm not sure which one I rate above the other at this point. Uh, it's pretty close. I see them as similar in a lot of ways, but <laughs> similar in their flaw, which is not enough Frankenstein <laughs> in both films. Yeah. But um, one of their flaws. But overall, this has a more consistent self-contained plot where the other one is more sprawling. It might, it might have uh, some higher moments, um, both of excitement and emotion. But, but this film has that consistency. 
it's also got some some real standout moments as well. Uh, you've got a great performance from uh, Stevens as Edelman. You've got the great piano scene um, that I mentioned. So I do think there's a lot to, to hang on to here. I think you can either cut Frankenstein out or just use him more effectively. Use him in a team-up, potentially. I did have a problem with uh, curing Cheney in some pseudoscientific way. Yeah. Uh, but it's not a huge complaint. This is a Gamera tier for me as well. Again, probably upper Gamera tier, uh, similar to House of Frankenstein last week. It's hard for me to rank one over the other at this point. I'm sure I'll come around at some point to one of them, but just not yet. Yeah. Hmm. We had pleasant right. surprises after that drought. Oh, my God. <laughs> we did have a little drought there. So. <laughs> um, and I think we've, we've got like seven movies left, Alex, which is crazy. It is crazy. Yeah, well, I can't crazy. believe we're almost here. And, you know, the way people talk about these movies, I have no idea what to expect because, I mean, I feel like they've been wrong a lot. But then well, they're right. I feel like the general consensus on these mummies movies, mummy movies, you're right. Everybody, yeah. I will concede. And I will join you and probably go even harder at them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, next week, though, is not Mummy, thankfully. It's the She-Wolf of London. Do you mm. have a rhyme for next week? Uh, I'll go, I'll go. Yeah, you go ahead. I'm uh, when the Wolf of London becomes a she, will we want to flee? Or will we giggle with glee? Oh, that was pretty good. We'll probably be giggling anyway, because that's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's our expertise. Um, yeah, so the She-Wolf of London. Will this... Oh, jeez. London doesn't have many words. Oh, I know. Okay, okay. So, okay. so next week, London is visited by the She-Wolf. Was she in the movie in Koof's? Handcuffs? <laughs> was she right off into the sand booths? <laughs> oh, that was that was top tier. Top that was like tier. awful. I couldn't think of a rhyme for anything. This is top tier. I I, I occasionally have a bad one, but not this is like next level. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it was next level. I feel like I need an official like an issue official apology to everybody on like Twitch uh, and YouTube. <laughs> that was rough. That was rough. As always, thank you for listening to Monsters vs. Men. You can leave us feedback on that Alex Rhyme at mvmpod.com or email us your hate mail at mvmpod at gmail.com. And we'll probably read it on the show, especially if it's criticizing Alex. Absolutely. You can also <laughs> you can also follow us and message us on Twitter and Instagram at MVM underscore pod. You can become a bargain base my at patreon.com forward slash MVM pod and receive weekly bonus content, including special reviews, interviews, and host chats. And if you can't join at this time, a review or a share always helps. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornett. Executive producers are Faye Basier, John Freeman, and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, comma, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, which forms cell block B, Louie Loops, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next time, don't sneak into a stranger. Let a stranger that walks into your home go into the basement to examine his coffin and then not believe him at all that he's Dracula. <laughs> 
and try <laughs> to stay alive. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. What about you, Eric? Stash oh, I'm, I'm, stash? I'm 100% Team Stash. Hashtag Team Stash. Lon Chaney Jr. Um, we'll get that trending this week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Expect to see that in the Twitter hey, trending. Hey, expect to see Lon Chaney Jr. trending this week. <laughs> it's just a little bit of werewolf peeking through. That's all it is.